Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast where we chat everything and anything to do with the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated, which we will be doing today, by the way. My name is Scott Cowie, I'm a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter, I don't know what I am. Apparently I'm a podcaster and you're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within arguably the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, on Stitcher Radio, on iTunes, on Audioboom, on SoundCloud, on anywhere you get them podcasts. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the podcast. Guest this week in the podcast, Ross Layton from the band Fatherson. Fantastic band that I've been following online for the last two or three years. Never got a chance to speak to Ross up until this interview, but he's a super interesting guy. He is on the ball when it comes to the business side of things. He really knows what he's talking about when it comes to songwriting. This is a very, very insightful interview for all you Fatherson fans and indeed all you music fans. The guest co-host this week, none other than brilliant singer-songwriter Ryan Tyler. How are you, sir? I'm good, Scott. Pleasure to be here. And of course, MMA fighter extraordinaire. Wow. <laughs> you got wow. a massive fight coming up wow. in March that we're going to talk about. I think you're the only um, musician slash MMA fighter that it's, I know. It's a, bit, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a game changer, isn't you're it? You're the only you, man you, that could write his own theme music that you could walk to the Sean Oxford. Michaels. Did he do his own? So I'm told. So I'm told. It's his song to walk out to. <laughs> right. Well, we could be seeing that March 19th. After the interview with Ross, Ryan's going to tell us all about this, right? This is fascinating. He's doing MMA at the moment. He's got a fight coming up. This is great stuff, right? Because anybody that knows me, I like the UFC. I like the MMA. So we're going to talk about all of that. Before we get to that, Ryan, Farson on the podcast, brilliant local band. How good is it to see a band that from Kilmarnock, they started off playing very small places and now it gets to the point they're selling out the garage, they're selling out the Archies. Everybody's singing along their songs. Fascinating stuff, eh? It's inspiring, man. Inspiring. Um. First, first real band I heard from Glasgow. Um, I thought they were a local band. Um, when I was in Glasgow and I was I was trying to get gigs here and there, it was Fatherson. That's that's all you heard. And I was like, "Who's this band, man? Like, they don't." I was like, "I don't, I don't get it." And then I put, I typed their name online. Um, I got into them, got into them big time. It's it's it's, it's something different, and it's it's something like it's new. Mm-hmm. It actually, it feels like feels new. I don't, I don't, you can't say that about, well, I can't say that about a lot of new music um, that, that you start hearing, like, especially, especially in your hometown, man, like, that's, 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 that gives hope to any musician out there, <clears throat> sorry, that these guys can do it, these guys are special as well, like, but see, when I think about Glasgow, this area of bands, there's two bands I think about, it's Fatherson and the LaFontaine's, um, I think they're leading leading the way in music at the moment. Uh, and they're very closely linked indeed, both being very anthemic, very melodic, and we actually talk about La Fontaine's as well, who are absolutely killing at the moment. Shout out to those guys. Um, so yeah, very, very inspiring. Three guys for Kilmarnock, and I'm um, doing so, so well at the moment, and you're going to hear all about it when I interview with Ross. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast, and I am downstairs in Box, Glasgow, where I have never been before. I'm talking about the downstairs. I've been in Box many times, and I'm joined now by 
Ross Layton from Fallerson. How are you, sir? Very well. How are you doing? Can't complain. Um, so it's been a very exciting time for yourself. Uh, yeah. Tour coming up. The singles. Let's do the plugs right now because the singles. What's, what's the deal? The pre-order for the album. So the pre-order. Uh, <clears throat> so what happened is we released the first single from this album in November. Uh, it's called Always, and then we sort of uh, Christmas and stuff happened. Then just a couple of days ago released another single called Lost Little Boys and that correlated with the pre-order of the new album called Open Book. Um, so everything's sort of ready to go. It's coming out on the 3rd of June, um, which is a wee while away, but there's plans in the motion as to why it's taking so long. Um, so yeah, what we're doing is if <clears throat> you pre-order the album, you obviously get the singles and the way that'll go is that any further singles that come out, if you pre-order the album, they'll come to you through that so you don't need to keep buying this and the next thing so yeah it's been quite exciting we got a good uh hugh stevens premiered it on radio one on uh wednesday night and did a big spiel about the album which we were really grateful for and then we just did a video so it should be out in the next coming weeks or so that just to to keep it ticking over and then we're on tour for february Cool. Excellent. You mentioned uh, or uh, off air about yeah. the second album syndrome. Okay, <laughs> yeah. second album, very very different from the first as far as um, how you go about um, promoting the thing and just overall. Of course, the first album being completely independent. Yeah. Um, and now you guys are signed, which is great. But mm -hmm. talk to us about the first album. Um, how difficult is it? Is there pros and cons to being signed, not being signed, as far as making the album? What differences have you noticed? <clears throat> See, to be honest, there's not really been any, like, difference. We kind of waited around until we found people that we wanted to work with that wanted to work in the same way we did, if that makes any sense. So we have <clears throat> always been really lucky. We've got a management team called The Modern Way, a guy called Bruce Craigie and a guy called Michael Lambert, who've always sort of stuck with us, even, like, just helping us out when we were we guys and then when we were thinking of changing the name of Fatherson because we were at another band called Energy for a bit that was kind of they were helping us out and then maybe a year or two into being Fatherson they were like right let's let's see what we can do with this so they were incredibly uh supportive and just really good just got the best out of us as well as we work with a producer called Bruce Rintoul so when we went in to do the first album we had this ethos of just like we're just going to release it ourselves. We we could have, you know, we things come up here and there and we were like, no, we're just going to wait until we find something, if something ever comes up that we feel is a better position than we're already in because those guys have got a wealth of knowledge. They run loads of music things and they've managed other brilliant bands, great Scottish bands and further afield. Uh, so we trust them. Like, and we always have, I think that's a big thing you got to just build a family around what you do because as soon as you get someone that you don't really know that well or like it seems to fly off the handle or seems to do things like that it's just poisoning the well and then that just in theory would mess the whole thing up so i think we waited until we found people that were wanting to do this in the same way we were doing it for the same reasons rather than just being like chucking tons of money at us and then like nobody will hear about us in a year's time we just want to like build we want to be an album band you know like all my favorite bands are like album bands like you never hear them on the radio but like it's amazing we've been played on the radio but it's like one of those <clears throat> we want to be around 
for the next 10 years. It's not like we want to go and spike and then and disappear. So these, the guys at Easy Life were, weren't uh, seeing how that would go. And it's been relatively painless. I think uh, we kind of went, spent as much time on the second record as the first record. It wasn't like we had no money on the first record and then we had all this endless time on the second record. We pretty much managed to work within our means and just do it in a quick enough turnaround in a way that wasn't like exuberant. We were in the studio for months and months and months. It was like we did the first album in 18 days and gobble sound and then we did this album in 20 days. Do you know I mean? It wasn't like we spent, oh, this album we maybe had a couple of <clears throat> like revisits and a couple of vocals done again but there was nothing like we never left anything out that we had to then book another studio to do it was all kind of like quite well planned and rehearsed so we, we got through it fairly easy in this time so the first album we did in gobble sound in glasgow second album we did all the drums and uh all the guides and stuff like that in gobble sound again and then went down to rockfield in Wales for a couple of weeks, which was it was amazing to get back into Gobble Sound because it's one of those places that if you're just going to record demos and stuff like that, it's too flashy for that or for us anyway. But it's nice to go in with a purpose and go like we're going to start a new album here, and then Rockfield is obviously like heritage central, mm -hmm. so uh, it was really nice because there was no one in. We kind of got run of both studios, which was really lucky because it's usually really pretty far booked in. But the two weeks we were there. We just got to sort of dip in and out of whatever we needed and the people that run it are like a family that have run it forever so they were just like giving anecdotes about ozzy osbourne and freddie mercury and the guys who rush and oasis and like the list as long as your arm of people who like there's a stone called yellowstone it's apparently where chris martin wrote yellow like just outside where we were recording and there's like wonder wall doing the place places just like filled with history as well as being just a cool as fuck studio <laughs> uh, with everything you could ever need and a ping pong table so we were totally set <laughs> <laughs> amazing uh, i was watching you guys on youtube earlier um thousands of people singing along from everywhere to your own gigs to festivals yeah. tell me about when that first started happening is there a specific memory that you have and what kind of confidence did did you get from that we've been really lucky so we were we've pretty much been in this band for like nine years not really <clears throat> probably taking it seriously to be a band for the last maybe four and a bit years but ever since we were like 15 or 13 at 15 we started playing gigs and then at 15 i think we recorded an ep and it actually just started from there it's kind of one of those things that people like kamarik's got a good voice I mean, they can all sing and they all like singing along. So then that just sort of, I don't know if it happened when we were going to other places and people from Kelly were coming and then everyone was getting involved. But like, yeah, we've been really lucky. And it's never something like, I've never written songs for them to be, do you know, maybe there's a sort of formula to go, oh, this is about the crowd sings and this is about the we do and that yeah. sort of thing. It's always just been like, there's been shows in the last two years where there's been no need to actually sing, which is, like start to finish people are going which is an incredible thing i did a couple of shows in uh, northern ireland at the end of that prides tour and it was just like first song was heavy awkward because it was like uh, we we're all meant to go over and it was just me that ended up going over so it was like 
an acoustic guy and then prides who were like full on production and I was like <clears throat> after the first tune I was like look if any of you know any of these words just sing along like I'm here myself which I never usually do and you guys are watching and you wanted a full band so let's just do it and then Dublin and uh, Belfast just like totally everyone was just singing along just having a party so not your country not your gig and everybody's no, singing along that must be great along. right it's nonsense like I couldn't even when we went over to South by in New York and stuff like that, there's people there and everyone's pure belting out all the words and I was like this I mean this it was, must have just been word of mouth because there was nothing like we didn't have like a big PR budget and all this kind of stuff it must have just like when we played a show in New York and it wasn't like pure sold out Bowery Ballrooms but the place called Pianos in New York there was like 50 people there and people had travelled from like Philadelphia and Boston and all these places to come and they were just like belling out and I was like you can't quantify what that is like and then to go to festivals and shows and stuff like that this tour coming up I can't wait because it's just a big sing-along mm-hmm. which is how all my favourite gigs have always been mm-hmm. just like people are like no doubt, sorry to cut you off. You've been sitting there as a spectator, <laughs> and you that one day I'm going to be on that stage, right? Yeah, totally. And you've, you've written those songs in your bedroom, and it's yeah. got to that stage. It's nonsense. Amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like dream come true. Sometimes you're just like, sometimes it takes you back. Sometimes things you never thought people would pick up on end up being like the loudest bits in the set, and then like wee bits you thought, oh, people, and then it just sort of. That's what I like every because there's that sort of aspect to the gigs every gig is different because there's just like a different atmosphere in the room with it but like no less singing along everywhere but just i don't know different people approach it differently and it means you get to put on the same but different show all the time and adapt it to however many people are there however many people know the words and stuff like that i went to see, i remember years ago something i always wanted to do but never did was uh Detour, remember Detour? Mm-hmm. Did a thing in the Buff Club, and there was like, I, I for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the band, but it was like 22 people. It wasn't a hidden orchestra, or, but it was like of that sort of ilk, and they gave out like hymn sheets to everyone on the way in, and it was just the best atmosphere. And I was like, that's what I want my gigs to be like. I want it to be like someone once described, uh, put it in a review as a hipster choir practice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was amazing There's still time man that's six hours from two yeah, yeah. people as they come in they get their candle they get their hymn sheet <laughs> so um it's all sounding very great thousands of people singing along the songs and everything but this is a very hard working band and yeah. no doubt um you've also got some stories because md are listening to this or md watching you guys on stage i want to be in a band this looks so easy the guys write songs and look at that yeah. But there's a lot of hours, a lot of days, weeks, months, and, and ends that, that, that yeah. you've put into this, right? Um, tell us about some of the, the, I mean, the band's gathering a lot of momentum at the moment. Yeah. But tell us about some of the, the, the times where it's, it's really hard, the amount of hours that you're putting into it, just to give people an idea of that. I think it's gonna, it sounds always really bad, but it's like there's this sort of assumption that, and people get all the time, like, I'm in my work just now, like, nobody like music industry isn't the same way as it was even when we started out where like people would be living off of you know if they signed a deal if they didn't they'd be living off of the music they were selling and stuff but 
I think sometimes what it gets where you've like worked five night shifts on the trot and practiced four of those days during the week and you've, you know, you go out and you're just a burst balloon. I think that's the sort of, and downtime as well is a weird one. And try to keep a job is a weird one because you're like trying to like make enough money when you're <clears throat> when you're home so that when you're away you're not struggling. But then the there's a tipping point there mm-hmm. where you work and you sometimes go away and then you go away and you sometimes work. And I think I mean, I've lost like four jobs in the last year and a half just because I'll, I'll be there and then something will come up that we're away for a month and it's like, well, you've only been here for two minutes. It's like, well, I'm I'm going to go and do that. As, as crap as that is to anyone that employs you, there's a sort of, my commitment, my heart's with that, my commitment's with that. It's like, there's loads of people in this team that are, you know, counting on us going and doing these things. So I think in terms of that, just try to keep your head above water is sometimes a bit more, a bit less glamorous than it, than it looks. Because in, in theory and in actuality, everything this band is like soaring at the moment. Everything's like, it's never been better. But sometimes you just, you know, a reality check is always good. That's why I like working. I don't like being at home, like twiddling my thumbs, and uh, none of us do. So like, even Mark's still at uni, because he took like two years out a couple of years ago, basically set up the infrastructure that is now in place that we we sort of do, with just the way we get gigs and the way we do things and the way everyone gets paid. But it's just, yeah, sometimes it's totally crap, because like maybe something will fall through when you've already taking time off to do things or you've run out of money and one of your guitars breaks and then there's no money left to do it I think but then you go and do the gig and it's totally worth it mm. or you just or someone goes like oh, I really like that tune and you're like I've never met you before How did, do you know it's like that sort of sometimes you forget people are listening not in like a pure emo depressing way but like it's always nice when you're like pure slam to a bunch of stuff and then someone gives you a wee bit and you're like that's why that's why you do it not why you do it but that make that whole time of you know so much easier just because somebody said something nice <laughs> that little reminder every yeah. now and again that's why i do this yeah, that's totally. why i um i'm at the end of the day i'm cool with being broke for yeah, getting this course, guitar yeah. sorted or whatever yeah. uh shout out to the lafontaine so i'm trying to yeah. think because um my segue into that um, I watched the, the, I didn't get along, but I think it was their ABC show that sold out, or the Barlands oh, show, the I can't remember, I, I, yeah. I, won, I watched it on YouTube in, in Care, at the end, saying, thanks so much everybody, we're still here, we're skint as fuck, but um, we're going to be, I think it was ABC and he says we're going to beat the Barlands at the end of the year, see you all yeah. then or something like that. And I just thought to me, it didn't it didn't surprise me, because like yeah. you have obviously got that awareness of, of what it's actually like, but no doubt the guys will be the same and Kerr yeah. says it there and, and you're friends with the guys yeah, right yeah. but just unbelievable how much time and effort they've put in probably been around yeah. similar time as yourselves yeah definitely and, and doing that same but it's, it's a tough slog you know what I mean it's, it's great as, as you guys are doing it's great <clears> them and, and it's amazing to see it's yeah. incredible but they're, they're still they're, they're, everybody's in the same boat in that way you know everybody is, is the Scottish band mentality like no Scottish band really Church is maybe being the exception of recent times like Everyone, so Biffy are what, like seven albums in now? Mm-hmm. 
and they only really started to be like a massive deal after the fourth album do you know really so they've been going at it for the best part of 20 years Ida Wilde are the same Frank Rabbit are the same Three Blind Wolves are the same We Promise Jetpacks do you know this, the Scottish band like the graft is part of the fun mm-hmm. the graft is the fun yeah like you go out and you do all these gigs and then like you get so many stories to go like oh I remember that time we were in Berlin and that guy got glassed and then or not that ever happened but just like a stupid story like that so yeah it's a very Scottish band thing to just be in it and do the graft and graft and graft and graft and it pays off like look at Twin look at Biffy look at Churches look at Frame Rabbit like it just is a matter of time it's not like the graft the graft is a big part of Scottish bands because all they ever do is write about being miserable because of the graft but uh, everyone's in the same boat. Like, look at the font selling at Barrowlands. Amazing. You know, it's incredible. Amazing. Uh, and to my knowledge, un- unsigned as well, right? Unsigned. Or, or unsigned, yeah, unsigned. yeah, yeah. Um, I think that they've got something with Lab down in Manchester, but I don't know really. What, I know they released a couple of singles through them, but mm, but you know, continued yeah, success to them. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so we, we spoke about there your your man and the band setting up the infrastructure, and no doubt yeah. you guys are, are holding regular meetings and everything, and hopefully all this will just um, will lead to, to further success. Do you have a bucket list of things that you mentioned uh, a, a few minutes ago? We're an album band. We want to be around for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Is there specific things you want to do? Is there places that you want to, to play? Do you have a specific idea of the amount of records you want to sell? Have you got a list of, of, of achievements there that you want to do? Or is it just, let's take this further and further? I think I would love... I'd love to play at Badass. I'd love to do that. That's a massive milestone. I'd love to do... How realistic is that? For you guys, what, what's, what's the, the arches, right? Is that the, the biggest? The arches, that uh, was the biggest, but it was about two years ago. So I'd say that, I don't know, we could probably do ABC. Right. I don't know about the band. It's just like, I don't even know if we could do ABC. Do you know what I mean? I don't have that sort of, I just need to wait and see what happens. I'd love to do ABC. I'd love to do Varys. I'd love to do Academy. I'd love to do. I don't know, I'd just like to be able to go short term. I'd just like to be able to just be on the road all the time. Like, I'd rather be out of the house than in it. And uh, whatever that may be. I think it'd be amazing to do some more European stuff, like like, like Rock on Sen and all those festivals and stuff. They're really cool. Uh, America's obviously a massive draw. I'd love to do an East to West. Or, you know, you could play five gigs in New York and still nobody would come, but you'd be in New York playing gigs. I think, furthest the field, I remember speaking to Jetpacks after, so they did like a Four Nations thing, uh, where they went to India, and did a couple of festivals in India. I think that would be totally amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, it would just be the most surreal experience of your life, like starting a wee band in a scout hall in Kilmarnock. And then playing gigs in India. Where was the place you played in Kamarnock? Oh, everywhere. Where did we play? Every, every pub, every... You know, every nook and cranny. Uh, I so we started off in a scout hall. First gig was in the, in the Kamarnock Academy. And then... Not like Kamarnock at the school. <laughs> not the, not please, the, please tell me you've got video footage of that. Oh, God, I, there's video. I found a video of us big at the beach, 2010. I'm wearing a woman's blazer. I thought I looked dead cool. And uh, ah, God, we look like we rats. 
But uh, that was at Trin Beach or something like that, like best part of six years ago. Give me one other thing you look back on and go, we shouldn't have done that. Uh, shouldn't have done that. Uh, shouldn't have bought two vans that died. <laughs> shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have spent. So we bought a van off a pal uh, that used to have to start with a screwdriver. So that was always good. It could only start going downhill uh, with a screwdriver. So we got a couple of hairy situations with that. And then we bought what we thought was a belter. Like, so we bought like, a minibus and did a split and put a telly in it and we'll just like cut a bit. This is the best thing ever. And then both brake pads fell off on the autobahn. <laughs> so that's never going to happen. And then it came back. So we both brake pads fell off. It came back from Germany. Got brake pads fitted over there. Drove it about for another bit, went in for an MOT and came back with four and a half pages. We were like, what's this going to be? Love and lamb. Yeah, love all and part, lamb. All part of the adventure, All man. part of the adventure. I know. We managed to sell the seats. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the tour coming up then. Uh, yeah, so we are going round. The only Scottish shows are Dundee and Edinburgh. Uh, That's all right. We'll be booking, we'll be booking the Badlands soon anyway. <laughs> exactly. We'll need to know playing Scotland for another year and hopefully get the Badlands sold it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're going uh, Manchester, Leeds, Southampton. We've only done Southampton once, with, uh, oh, to my knowledge. Um, I totally stuck my foot in it when we were on that Pride tour. I said I can. There was a date on the Shikari tour. Can I can I guess what you did? What? Did you see the wrong town that you were in? No, I said this is so nice to be here for the first time. Oh. To be fair, we'd been out the night before. And I was totally good. So you'd already like, played there? I'd already played there. Not even like that year, but even, which is bad. What was the reaction with the crowd? Little boo? Oh, total boo. Right. And then, but I was that hungover cheeky way where I just turned it around and managed to win them back over. I can't even remember what I said. Something dead stupid, but everyone started laughing again. Uh, so that's the first time I've ever done that. So I'm going to need to watch out for that. That I'm won't happen this tour, which starts February? On the 11th. So yeah, 11th until the 27th. So we've got the D Edinburgh, we're going to Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, Southampton, Cardiff, London, Brighton, Newcastle, and I've forgotten one that I can't, and somewhere else. And that's There's somewhere else. else my favourite gig. That somewhere else will be visible on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, you can yeah. follow the guys, check them out, Fallison. Give them all the support because soon, within the next year, we'll do this again at some point. Yeah. And I've got a funny feeling you guys are going to be playing the Barlands, amongst other things. Cheers, World Scott. domination. Very World good domination. start. Thanks very much, Ross. Absolute pleasure, yeah, man. Well. Cheers, Scott. Great interview there with Ross Layton. Smart, smart guy, like I said earlier. Really knows the business of the music business, which is absolutely crucial. Uh, wish them all the best in the future. I'm sure the tour will be a massive success. Get yourself along. I'm going to read out the tour dates in a little bit. But once again, joining me, the one and only Ryan Tyler. Ryan, how are you, sir? I can't complain, Scott. That's can't my complain. line. Can't complain. People are nicking my lines and everything. <laughs> That's when you know it's a good sign. Right, you were just telling me there, you, you've been, you've been hitting the gym regularly. You, like me, UFC fan. Yeah, right. We're going to talk a bit about this, right? Because you and I are constantly emailing, messaging each other, talking everything UFC. So tell us about the, the intense training you do. I, I'll be honest with you, I go to the gym, but I kind of piss about on treadmills and shit like that. See, man, I, I was like that, and um, even even when I was younger, except I was about sixteen, 
played football all my days and then something just left like I don't know what it was it just the buzz left and then I would go to the gym and I'd, I'd get my membership and I'd hit the gym for like two weeks and then I would be like right I'll just miss it tonight and then I'll miss it and then I'll miss it and then I cancelled my membership and then I started training in MMA and it was like it was like a game changer Aye, right. uh, how long you doing this um only only a few months late I started training late into 2015 and um I've not stopped yet every day every every day I um I took a break over Christmas that was that was the time for to work on my, my beer belly you know what I mean I had to get that out of progress that takes work as well so I had to do that and then I'll so be I'm back at it that keeps fit this is this one, is one, I. The, one of the one of the select few so I'm going to talk about we're going to talk about music in a little bit right but I'm intrigued with this whole MMA thing uh, so what's, what's the diet like then? Diet? Well, um, I've just been registered for a novice tournament in March. And this is for anyone and everyone basically with very little or none experience, excuse me, in MMA. So, and it's weight classes, it's, it's all like legit. It's like anybody can enter. Obviously, if you're from a gym, then it's, it's, it's a bit more like... Um, good because you're getting training in do you know what I mean I, I can imagine that people would think it's a good idea to just walk in off the street and be like ah, I'll give this a try and I think they would get punched a bit but this is a uh, the diet man I've, I've I cut out everything that I thought everything that I enjoyed basically you know what I mean it was hard Um you're, you're just like just getting going about your business and then you cut down to like water and chicken and steaks and then I'm going to have to cut weight as well for this event, so that's going to have to cut down to like salads. See, when you talk about cutting weight, right? I hear this because obviously just I hear this through watching the TV. But um, what uh, cutting weight? It's 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 a lot more severe than what people honestly think. It's like how how because the, the, the fighters they cut a, a, such a great amount of weight like Aye. on days up to the fight, like two or three days up to the fight. Is mm. that right? Ah, yeah, that's that's right. But a lot of people. It's, it's, it's different like a lot of very people like there might be a guy that's about 80 kilo and he has to cut to 75 but then you have the same weight like a guy fighting at 75 but he's cut down from like 90 or 95 and they've just actually I think they're passing laws just now where um, a lot of people would use an IV after um, well to dehydrate and then to hydrate again and they've banned that for fighter safety so that's got, that's going to be like a, a game changer for like the likes of like Conor McGregor who would cut down he I read an interview somewhere he walked around at about 170 180 um, pounds he's cutting down to 145 mm -hmm. like that's, that's a big weight cut it's, it's dangerous and, yeah, um, look, the, the weight division he's moved up to that looks healthy for him it looks good he looks, un, he looks unhealthy Aye. when he goes to fight I think oh yeah. definitely it looks, looks as if he's been spending too much time with guys in the street corners isn't he he, he does he, he looks like I mean no we need to tell him that no, but, um, <laughs> but he, he definitely looks having having watched the, the last couple of interviews in the last two or three weeks he looks healthier oh he looks big um, and so how do you think how do you think he's going to fare then in this new weight division he's moved up from 145 to 155 is that right yep so how how is he going to fare um, he, he seems very confident no, he does he's of course confidence just oozes yeah oozies that man is not shy he's not is I he going to beat this guy, or is it? Is it? Is it? Um, are we going to see? Is is not as plain sailing for him in that division? 
I, I honestly, I think I think he's got to go through him, man. Like, there's there's something about him, and a lot of people have got like, different opinions, and and that's cool. Um, a lot of people hate him, a lot of people love him, which is the case here. Like a lot of like superstars. Um, I don't think you get to be that big without having that balance. Um, but he looks, if you if you look at him, his frame, his shoulders, it looks as if it, it's that's that's his natural weight. Do you know what I mean? It's supporting him. And um, I've watched a few videos, man. Like he was a two-time world champion before he was in UFC, and the, the knockout that he, he landed on this guy um, at lightweight in his last um, organization, it, it was nasty, man. It was like. He's fought it that week before, he's right? Fought, yeah, aye, he's been a world champion. Um, I think it was Cage Warriors. Aye. So featherweight and lightweight. And he keeps he's always mentioned it in interviews where he's he wants to replicate that in UFC. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't think he's 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 got to take anybody's word that he's that's not going to happen because I think he believes it is. The big part of his game is the the mind games. It's, he's a mm-hmm. he's a fascinating guy, I've got to say. I think because right. he, he just he has that ability like um, you got to have a mix like Dana White says you can't have everybody trash talking you got to have a mixture of people like your your Holly Holm or your Joe Duffy or people of that nature who will just be very humble and because it, it would just be fake either way or it would just be boring mm. either way if everybody was a trash talker if everybody was humble so you've got that mix um, but he has that ability I can't distinguish between what is what he's saying um, just to try and get in their head and what he believes I know. You know which is part of which is an amazing part of the game definitely um, is he in this guy's head well is it is it he's in, he's in I think he's in most people's heads like even if he's not competing with them who, who's who's not talking about Conor McGregor like exactly. um, he's, he's like a master at Muhammad Ali mm-hmm. he would he would he would humiliate people when they way up to a fight and I I think it takes some tough skin to like try and shake that off. Like, kid on that, that doesn't bother you. Because, I mean, did you see the press conference? I watched that. I watched, watched the that live. Um, Rafael dos Anjos. He looked very composed, very calm, and you could you could see him in the in the conference, sort of just biting back a bit, like getting closer. And it was just you could. Well, I thought, I thought, like from in my opinion, that it was getting it was getting under his skin a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I think Conor McGregor is better than anybody in combat sports at doing that at the moment because the thing is, right? Everyone's saying oh, you should respect, you should respect fighters. That that's the name of the game in MMA. Um, show respect, but that he, he does show respect. He always says like he's humble. I feel I feel like a Conor McGregor super fan here talking about him, but um, he always says he's humble and victory or defeat. And a lot of people are like. I want to see him get beat to see what he's like, and I think I think when he gets beat, he's got to shake the guy's hand if it does ever happen. Mm-hmm. But um, he'll turn on. He's that smart though. He'll turn on. He'll make it about him. Aye. He'll 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 go on the mic and he'll, he'd, he'd say, um, "Listen, this guy deserves all the plaudits in the world because at the end of the day, he's beating me, and these people got a statue <laughs> of this guy because he's beating me." And he would turn it on totally. himself. He would, and then everybody would just talk about, "Oh my God, did you see Conor McGregor put the belt on the guy after he beat him?" Everybody Aye. would talk about him. He'd find a way. Oh, definitely. Um, you know who Joe Duffy is, right? Aye. The aye. last person to beat him. I've got a funny, f- like, I've watched a couple of interviews as well, because, like, like yourself, or you bordering on or being obsessed with yeah, the moment never goes on, the drama rama <laughs> and everything that's, that's on. That's, that's exciting, great. man. It's so exciting, because it is, it is a drama as well. Um, 
I McGregor's bothered by that loss. I think you don't mm. see him getting uptight, and you don't see him getting pissed off because, like you said, everybody else he pisses everybody else off, right? Everybody's his thing. He's in everybody's head, but that loss is in his his head. When you see him talk about it, he's starting twitching and everything. That Must would be. be a fascinating contest because I don't think he can get under Joe Duffy's skin. I think that he's the type of guy that just doesn't bother him. He's just mm. he, he's the polar opposite to McGregor. He's he's um appears to be appears to be humble. Mm-hmm. It's it's different. Five six years ago since that defeat, Duffy went through him, tapped uh, him in forty was, things. He got caught. He got caught big time. Um, and that's that's something I don't know what that must be like for Joe Duffy, but that's in his head that I've already beat this guy. I can beat him again. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't and mention it. it and it's the most fascinating thing. I know. I know. It's as if he just he knows. He doesn't. He doesn't need to say it. Like he knows. And maybe Conor McGregor knows. Like like could play in his head. That's that's like. Everyone says you should um, the best way to like the best way to look at a fighter and see how he comes back from like a loss. Um, Conor McGregor, that that was his last last defeat, mm-hmm. and he came back and he's he's on like a what is he on like a twelve winning streak now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it comes back to play fighting this guy again. What's what, what's got to be in his head? He's got to play big games. He's got. To, I I don't, I don't think he can get because I think the worst thing is like if 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 Duffy's going about it, it would do McGregor credibility. If Duffy's going about, I'm the guy that beat McGregor, but he's not mentioning it. Mm-hmm. He did the press conference, the 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 kind of the one in the summer, but Duffy's up the back, and he just doesn't mention it. All the other guys Aye. are trying to get McGregor. Oh well, well I punched you and cut your eye a little bit, so you and everybody's saying that to McGregor. And, McGregor's just hitting back. Well, like he owed you. Duffy's just sitting <laughs> at the back and and not referencing it at all. Just not me. And and that that is that is more terrifying than could be scary. I just just not saying anything about it because you don't exactly know what he's thinking. And mm-hmm. um, that would be a fascinating contest. It would be huge in Ireland as well. I I think if they're going to do Crow Park, that is the main event. Because regardless, maybe, of, I know Duffy's just lost, but regardless of what he's still the last guy to beat McGregor. Exactly, so, that fight's always got to be there. I give give him give him a winner too. Just make sure he wins. But they they've got a the the if if Duffy loses again, I think I think they've got to they've, they've got to kind of pull the trigger on that one and make it at some point. Uh, talking of people that are losing and coming back. Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. <laughs> uh, if it happens, because I just found out that the day as we, as we record this, um, Misha Tate versus Holly Holm, the winner of that is going to face Ronda Rousey Ronda. in November. I don't know if you know that, but that's just getting announced today. No. So that's a, that's a definite. Ronda Rousey, the next time she's going to fight is November. So whoever wins the match, March 5th, um, will face her. Um, so first of all, Misha Tate versus Holly Holm. Who's going to win that? Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a battle. It is a battle. I think I think Holly's got to got to pick her apart. To be honest with you, I um, I feel as if I mean she's like she's like a world champion and and all these different um, organizations, boxing, MMA now. I mean it's like I know I know the fight before Ronda. She won a decision, just scraped by. That could have been a game plan mm-hmm. to get into um, to get that fight with Ronda. Right. Dana White missed. Might have thought. Um, Right, here's another person for Ronda to run through. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And keep that hype train going. And then she gets knocked out like that. It's she looked good, man. She was like her angles, her angles, and her, her striking was. I've I've not seen any any female mm-hmm. in the MMA strike like that yet. Um, apart from Joanna, the, the strawweight. I don't know how to say her second name, but mm-hmm. she's a champion and and she's she's a brawler. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't, I, I can see Holly beating Misha. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, at the press conference as well, they both seemed like respectful and, and, and humble, like to be competing with each other. But that must be in Misha's head that I've been beat off Rhonda, Holly, like demolished Rhonda. So how is she, how is she coming into this fight? I think we should take it differently. She's a, she seems like a sensitive soul. She gets affected by all the trash talk, mm-hmm. Rhonda. So I think Rhonda just bullied her before the fight. I just occasions I was able to beat her. I think she struggles to handle it. So I think she'll go in better with this one because the two of them are pally pally and you can tell that's just a relief for her just to be getting uh going into that situation where she's not got the drama rama beforehand because I don't think she can handle it. Aye, um a bit show business eh? Aye, it's a bit too she just wants to she just wants to get in Crack on. And, and and do her thing. And not dismissing the fact obviously Ronda is a great fight and everything. Mm. But I now having heard that news, I want to see Holly Home win. And um because part of me would like to Bizarrely, seen Misha take one just to kind of because it would make more of a drama, right? Do, do you think? I think Misha take could beat her. You think so? I, I think it's just a she's just a, a, a totally different fighter. It's a different style, man. It, isn't it's it? a different style, and I just think that um, I don't think I think Holly Holm will think she's she's as prepared for Ronda going into this fight. But when you're you're fighting Ronda Rousey, she would have put every second of every minute into the day in that, mm. and I, I think she will just have one one eye in the the, the Ronda Rousey fight and. I don't know. I, th- I think Misha Tate might give it a run for the money, but Holly Holm. I, I hope she does one because Ronda Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm too. That's would be brilliant. That's going to be huge, man. I mean, that's that's going to be. Is that is that going to be the biggest fight in, in UFC history? Then it could. It could be. It could be. Saying that, if if um, have you heard that Conor McGregor if he goes through. Rafael de Sanjos, he's going up to welterweight. He's like going up again. So if that that happens in November, he's fighting for the welterweight championship. This is all ifs and buts, right? But then Ronda and Holly in the same card, that would definitely be the biggest card ever in uh, UFC history. And of course, uh, the the wrestler CM Punk. And I'll <laughs> mention this, like you're laughing, right? I'm dying. Um, my, my, right, here's my my personal opinion on that. It, it seems a bit too. It seems a bit. I think he's going to get. I, I he's, he's he's entertaining all that, but he's going to get destroyed, isn't he? Is I think he? so. I think so. Have you seen the uh, Dana White's got a program? Dana, aye, Dana aye. I, I watched a, fight. a little bit of the first episode. I so basically, and a guy called it CM Punk on it. Aye, and he's. I think that's the match they're going to make. Mm-hmm. But well, I look mean, at the guy's fight. The guy Michael Gall or Gale or something. Aye. like that. he's fighting Saturday, and if he wins the fight, he fights CM. He fights Punk. CM Punk. But should it not be? It seems a wee bit too. Seems a bit fake, should it not be whoever wins out of these two guys fights CM Punk, not if this guy wins. If he's if the guy wins, is it the the punk fight exactly postponed and postponed? But I mean that's that's what Dana White does, isn't it? It it, it won't put a fight on if he, if he doesn't think it's gonna make money. Mm-hmm. But CM Punk man, I I don't know. I mean he came from wrestling, it's took him this long to like obviously his game's not that good. Otherwise he'd have had a fight by now. I, I think Dana White or whoever the powers that be have been down at that gym and seeing he's no ready and being like we're telling everybody you're injured we're Aye. this a few months I Definitely. can't on. his knees are he's 37, 38 his knees are I mean the guy they're just going to target his knees and they're going to flame and they're going to I think he's going to get I think he's I would love to see him I would, personally I would love to see him win two or three fights and build up to that Conor McGregor fight that would be phenomenal. That would be them, good, man. Them two, that would, that would be the biggest fight ever, wouldn't it? Just oh, due to the attention on, on that. I mean, he's bringing over all his wrestling fans, so that's like, that's just another, sorry, um, that's just that's just another load of fans, another load of views for their pay-per-views. I mean, it's just, it's more tickets. Um, 
But if he's if he's not a level that he can compete, it's it's going to be embarrassing for him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be going into a contest thinking I'm not ready for this, or like I know I'm not ready for this, or anywhere near ready. So I, I don't know what. I mean, Brock Lesnar done it. He he brought he came over, but he, uh, he's he's a, a he's a, he's he's a, a machine man. He's a machine. He was a wrestling champion prior. To he was in the exactly. quote unquote fake wrestling. So it's a different thing. People bringing it up, it's a totally different thing. Aye. CM, CM Punk's trained his entire life to make sure that he doesn't hurt his opponents while pretending to hit them. And now he's exactly. trying to train within a period of 20, 10, 12 months to do the exact opposite. When these guys, you look at the, these guys, I mean, the, 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 everyone's got an eight pack. You know what exactly. I mean? He's not even a six pack anymore. <laughs> no, he's got an eight pack and he's just, he doesn't look as if he's built for it. Don't get me wrong. I, it sounds like I, I don't. I would love to see him win, and because him versus Conor McGregor would be phenomenal. It would be. It would be. But I, I just can't see. I just can't. No, see man, I, I can't. I can't see either. I just I don't know if maybe he's he's just thought oh, that looks that looks alright. I mean, maybe if Brock can do, I can do it. But I mean, these people have been training and they've been getting hit and they've been hitting for years and years and years in the gym, hard rounds, man. They've been putting Aye. in, and obviously he's just come in. I, I don't even think it's a year he's been training. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I just run about a year now, and he's he's obviously not ready because he he would have a he would have had to fight by now, and he's obviously contracted to UFC, so he will have at least one fight. He must have a fight because I don't think he can get a contract and then just there won't be a clause in that where he can just back out and not fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know what's what's happening with Saint Punk. I laughed at when you mentioned his name, but. It's, they reckon it's, June though. I reckon it's the one one. Well, it'll be one ninety nine then because the two hundreds in July in it. Aye. So, but I don't know. June. I think I think putting putting them on two hundred, um, it'd be a bit too much pressure on him. I mean, God knows I'm talking as if I'm playing Dana White, <laughs> right? But um, I reckon if McGregor's no fit to be on that cut, let's say if McGregor loses or something like that, mm. or if he gets in, injured or whatever, if McGregor's on two hundred, then that'll be the headline. That will sell everything. But they might shift the punk fight to 200 if McGregor's not part of 200 for whatever reason. I think mm-hmm. they might do that just because because if, if, if Ronda Rousey's not fighting at 200, they'll need you. Stack something, I, I definitely. Plus, a lot of people, same kind of kind of vibes with Conor McGregor. A lot of people want to see him win. A lot of people want to see Sam Punk get beat as well. Mm-hmm. They, they don't like the fact that he's, he's coming over from wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I spoke to a lot of people um, in the M- MMA community and it's like, not, not even at my gym I don't mean that I mean just just people, just fans mm-hmm. of MMA and it's like what? I, I that's it it's like I don't think you can come over from wrestling with this this like not an attitude man but like I think I'll be able to fight and it's it's a different game altogether it's a it's a different it's a different battle you're in mm-hmm. I know wrestling people say wrestling's fake and stuff People get injured in wrestling. It's these people are great athletes. Definitely, like, they're, they're phenomenal athletes to go out there and, and do what they're doing. And people can say it like being fake and everything. I'm probably sounding like I'm, I'm in that vein, but I'm not. I've got all the respect in the world for the people. No, the, def- the cardio I agree. And, and all that. I mean, these, these people are phenomenally fit. But uh, swimmers are phenomenally fit. It's, it's a different thing. Do you mm-hmm, know what I mean? Um, these people have got. It's, they've definitely got huge, huge credentials. But to your point. That octagon, man, I just That's, I, that is a terrifying prospect getting in there, fighting what three, four different styles of fighting. That's crazy, like man. Steve Collins said in an interview, you know, the, the Irish boxer Steve Collins. I don't know if you remember him. He fought you back back in the day and everything. Right. Um. Obviously, being an Irish guy, he was interviewed about McGregor, 
And he just said, I thought boxing was a dangerous sport. Says that <laughs> MMA. I mean, Jesus Christ. You're, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody flew and died in that thing at one point, you know? I know, I know, man. It's, it's, it's dangerous, but I mean, it's just as dangerous as it's, people say that. And I, I used to to an extent I'd be like, that's crazy, man, all these styles in the one in the one cage. But I mean if you get if you you're in a boxing fight in a ring and you get punched in the right place, man, that could be a, that could be a, it could be over for you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's you walk outside, you, you fall the wrong way out of the pavement, you crack your head, that's it, game over, man. So it's like it it looks it looks worse. Mm -hmm. Um because it's because back in the days when it just started, it was like a what was it? It was like entertainment, man. There wasn't even yeah. weight classes. There was people like two hundred pound guys fighting like 100, 150, 130 pound guys and all that. It was a bit of a show. Mm -hmm. Um, and and then I can imagine like I never really watched it then. I wasn't really into it then. But it looked it looked crazy then. Like I don't. I, there was no way if I watched that back then. This was about nineteen ninety four, ninety ninety three, ninety four. Um, if I if I watched that then. I'd have been like, no chance I'm getting into this. Like, it looked crazy. But a lot of old school boxers, like, um, particularly in, in my, like, experience, they, they, they don't, they don't give MMA the time of day. Mm -hmm. um, UFC, like, and I, I get that to an extent. I was talking to um, a boxing coach about this and he made a, he made a brilliant point. It was, this, see the striking in MMA? It's not, there's a level, there's a level in boxing where it's like, this is, this is like, it was, it was a gentleman's sport on it back in the day. Mm -hmm. So it was like, people were here to watch this and MMA, it's like a, it's a different level of striking. These people haven't been striking with just their hands um, all their days. It's, and I, I get that it's, it's a bit, it may be a bit hard sometimes to watch them rolling in the ground. But see when you go to like a few classes, man, and you realise the technique and the skill it takes to roll on the ground without getting submitted um or seriously hurt it's it's like a it's like a joy to watch man it's like it's like an art do you know what i mean um just like everything else when you start getting into it you start appreciating how good like the best actually are do you know what i mean it's to your point as well it just goes to show how good some of these guys are to go back to to go back to our main man mcgregor uh that chad mendes fight he was in when Mendes is hitting him and he's he's just he's got his arms out and he's like, um, ah, that was all right. And he's the fact he talks to the guys. That's, that's I've never just, seen that before. Like you know, he's just he's he's talking to them as he's doing. He's he's calling them. Is that all you got? And, and it looks it looks crazy, man. When he's fighting, like it's like un seriously crazy. But it's 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 incredibly entertaining. It is. And you just it think you know, good on you for being that confident. And fair enough. It, as soon as he gets his ass kicked, he's just an idiot. Just an idiot that uh, his mouth. But. When he's running for everybody and he's a champion, it's it's pretty damn cool. It is. It's pretty hard to, to say that he's he's, he's, he's all talk, idiot, man. You know, like he's, 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 he's no, he's definitely not. He, he does seem a bit like crazy in the head. Like I genuinely think he is a bit crazy. I think Jose Aldo said that when he was run, run, leading up to the fight. He was like, I actually think this man is insane. <laughs> like genuinely, and. Uh, Man, it came across that in the Jose Aldo fight. He, he wasn't lying. He picks, he picks what he's, he picks his round. Yeah, that must be scary, That's, man. See, every, see, every single time he says, "I'm going to be," because uh, I've been what because people say, "Oh, he's picked every single time. He's picked around and he's done this, that, and the next thing." It can't be true. And you go right back to <laughs> Cole Miller, and he says, "I, I watched that interview the other day um, on Ariel Hawani's 
podcast. I think that's how he pronounces his name. Right. And McGregor said, um, oh, "Listen, you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're too slow." He says, "You're gonna hit here, and I'm gonna knock you out." That's exactly what happened. That's and that he's, man. And he's saying, uh, "The Jose Aldo, Aldo fight, you're gonna." He said, um, I, "When we were lining up at one of the press conferences, I, I seen his right hand twitching. That was just a sign for me that he was going to stretch his right, and I would just knock him out with a, with a jab." And that's exactly what happened. That's what happened, it's, man. It's Did you see the video? Aye. Video on Facebook of him um, just warming up. Aye. Does the exact same thing that happens in the fight, man. That's that's freaky. Aye. I mean, I mean, after it, you're like, people straight away, I know it was going to happen. Lucky shot. A lucky shot. But it's, it's this, it's that. It's a clean shot, man. It's a clean shot to the chin. And it's like. It's a lucky shot. Try, you know what I mean? You try to aim, aim to try and do that lucky shot. Exactly. It's a shot that he's trained for his entire life. Exactly. He can knock out a world class athlete that's been the champ for 10 years undefeated. I know, you know man. I mean? Unbelievable. Lastly, when's this? When's this fight then? Where are you, where are you going to be? Um, I don't. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps, Scott. Um, it's in Aberdeen on the nineteenth of March, so it's like a it's like a novice tournament. Um, we'll see we'll see how I go on at that. If if I who's he fighting? Do you know? I don't, man. I don't. Um, it's, 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 it's basically it's, like a tournament. It's five like, rounds and all that. Uh, no, it's like. I only only read the details um, yesterday. It's like two two minute rounds, so it's like it's like it's balanced, man. It's not like I, I said it to to my dad, and he was like, "Nah, you're not ready, you're not ready for a fight." I was like, "Dad, come on, man!" I was like, "You're not even listening to what I'm saying." I'm trying to try to explain to him that it's um, they make it as safe as they can. Basically, they, they don't want you walking in there and getting getting KO'd or like, do you know what I mean? It's it's not like that. It's um, they want you to enjoy it. They're trying. They're trying to promote um, MMA. So rookies and novices um, get fired in, man. Like, why? Why not? It's a chance to see how good you are against people at the same level as you. Mm-hmm. And um, it gives me an end game. Like, it gives me something to work towards. See this diet stuff. This is hard. Like, this it's, is. I, I, I've I've not done the MMA training. You could probably tell. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> The, 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 any sort of diet is bloody difficult. No nah, man, like, I've only started as well, so I can't really speak for people that have been they've been doing it for years. The guys guys that get get right into it and they, they have to stick by it, like pro, um, most like professional athletes, um, a lot of combat sports guys. Man, they cut like, I don't know how they do it, but they cut they cut out everything that's enjoyable. You know what I mean? And you don't even realize like the foods that you're not meant to eat until you realize how. Like until you realise you have to start cutting weight and you look at the back of it. I never used to be one of the guys that like turned that packet of crisps over and looked what was in it. And I started doing it and I was like, no way, man. You can't eat crisps, can't you? Not you can't eat no, crisps. No, uh, no crisps. Basically, it's it's I'm I'm doing it like chicken, rice, spinach. You know what I mean? Like the the foods that good on you, man. It is the way to go, on it? it is the way to it's, go. It's something. It's it's a change, man, isn't it? It's, Living in this country, it's it's harder. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk more about dieting. We we'll, we might we might bore everybody to death if we really go into the amount of detail that I don't <laughs> want to go into when uh, it comes to dieting. I, I want to pick your brain about that. Um, next time you're on this, we will actually talk music. That is the title of the show. But I really wanted to to get you around to talk MMA. Nice. Massive fight, nineteenth of March in Aberdeen. That's right, isn't cool, it? And, I, and there's, there'll, there'll be like a lot of other fights that day, a lot of other novices, rookies. Um, I want to take a trip up to Aberdeen. I want to see this. Um, one think. step away, Conor McGregor, Ryan Tyler's calling you out right in here. Um, that's the him. first step towards it after he KOs everybody in this novice tournament. They won't be calling him novice Tyler anymore. 
he'll be coming straight for that, that title. So hopefully Conor McGregor will win that lightweight title. We could possibly see him against you. Or easy days, man. Easy days. <laughs> this, right. doesn't, this doesn't go out, does it? The island. <laughs> I don't think, I think Conor McGregor hopefully know that we're kidding on however CM Punk Ryan Tyler's definitely coming definitely going for that man Ryan thanks very much for joining us thank right. you very much to Ross Layton as well from the great band Fatherson 11th of February you can catch him in Redden on the 12th they're in Edinburgh liquid rooms the only Scottish state so far but as I said to Ross earlier the Barlands will be happening at some point no doubt on Valentine's night you can catch him at Liverpool Monday the 15th of February you can catch him at the Rainbow in Birmingham and all the dates are available at all the social networking sites that are Fatherson related Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the lot check out the guys uh, check out Ryan Tyler some new music coming soon no doubt uh, we'll have Ryan back on to talk more music and probably um, boast about his fight he will win on the 19th of March and we will see you guys next week for episode 99 thank you very much <laughs> <laughs>